Welcome to another episode of the Atypical Rainbow. I'm Paul. And I'm Grant. Uh, and this is another episode of Spectrum Analysis. Today, we're going to be talking about autistic representation in the media, which is the second part of a really unintended trilogy that we're about to have. Um, so do find uh, stick around for the next episode, uh, which will be coming out soon, uh, which will be talking about bigotry in media. But today, we're going to focus uh, specifically on autism. So I thought it was interesting to look at the, sort of the other side of the topics we talk about. Like we often talk about inclusion of gay people and we include and inclusion of autistic people. Uh, so I thought that it would be good to have the twin to our previous topic. Or well, in this case, it'll be a triplet, I think. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I guess the third one's kind of like the triplet who you keep in the attic or something. <laughs> That's lovely. Let's not have more kids. I think two is probably the right number for you. Um, okay, so basically, I think autistic representation is in a way where I feel like a lot of gay representation was a little while ago. Because, like, in the 90s, for instance, you had Will and Grace where it was like, okay, this person is gay, we'll say it. But there was, there was also a lot of what people call, like, coding gay um, and sometimes also queer baiting, depending on how positive you feel about the representation, where people would act gay but not be said to be gay. So I feel like with the autistic representation, we do have some examples of people who are in canon said to be autistic, but then we also have a lot of characters who autistic people like because they see in these characters some of the same traits as them. Which I think is more like the Little Mermaid being a trans icon thing. Like, no one intended the Little Mermaid to be a trans icon. The fact that she's become that is just because trans people sort of see in her journey something that relates to them. So, um, an example of someone who is, you know, outright stayed to be autistic. The first one I can probably think of chronologically would have been Max Braverman on Parenthood. Mm. Like, other than, I guess, Rain Man? No, but even Rain Man, they never used the word autistic. I don't think oh, so. Didn't they? I've never seen the movie. I think the terminology they used at that time was idiot savant, which was... It, it's kind of a, an offshoot of autism. I mean, if you if you had to redefine it by, by today's current terms, Rain Man would be sort of level one autistic, basically. So he, or maybe even level two. So where his degree of autism is high enough that he has difficulty functioning, but his strengths were enough that given the right environment, they could be nurtured and and um, and be quite useful. So I think he'd be, he'd be, by current definition, that's what he would be. But the word autism never really came up. I mean, in America, um, I remember reading Neurotribes by Steve Silverman, and he talked about how in, a, in the 80s, Autism did become uh, a more commonly used term, but it was still building in the 80s. And one of the big things that was happening in the 80s was uh, the attempt at curing autism. So there was an mm. entire group whose initials are Dan, but I actually can't remember what Dan stands for. I think the A is autism. But basically, they're of the, they were of the idea that with enough effort, you can cure autism. And through behavior modification, I think, was really their main thing. So, I, Rain Man wasn't specifically it. Um, yeah, Max Braverman from Parenthood, which, by the way, is a great show. If you have, if you love a good family drama and you watch, like, This Is Us 
Um, the, you'll love Parenthood. Go find it. Um, but Max Braverman, I think, was uh, probably the first one that I can certainly recall where the, where the word autism was used. And interestingly, the reason for that is because Jason Kadams, the creator of Parenthood, has a son who has autism. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, so he's al- so there's also in the works a plan for him to, uh, to remake an Israeli show about three people with autism living in an apartment together finding love. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So, I agree. I think representation for people with autism is increasing. Um, So, shows like Atypical, where the central Mm -hmm. character has autism. Um, The A Word, which is a British show, which is... Those are the two I was going to say. Yeah. (laughs) It's probably more about... The A Word's probably more about the family than it is about the child, per se. Mm. Um, I think it it is getting better. But talking about uh, the idea of coding... Uh, the the not I I also haven't watched it, but having seen you watch it, the Big Bang Theory. Yes. Right? Now Sheldon is never actually labelled with anything, is he? I, as far as I understand, he is not labelled. So so from what few episodes I've watched of the Big Bang Theory, unfortunately, I'm I'm not a fan. Unlike the you know twenty million or so people who watched it a week in America, um, he is very clearly autistic. I mean, has all the traits, the controllingness and the social awkwardness and all the classic things, but it's never mentioned. Now, the question for me as someone with autism is why, right? Does it necessarily matter that he has a label? Similar to what we were talking about before uh, in the last episode about um, rainbow representation. Does it necessarily matter that he doesn't have a label? Was that a deliberate choice? Was it something they didn't want to explore? Or did the writers just not decide that he wasn't autistic, he was just a nerd. I don't know. Like, there's a, there's a lot of representation that's autistic-coded, which I think was probably just based on nerd stereotypes. Like, the Nutty Professor, for instance. Was he meant to be autistic? Well, once again, not labelled. Yeah. But the behaviour, like, you might go, that's kind of autistic behaviour. And I think... With Big Bang Theory, Sheldon is probably the more obvious one. And in Young Sheldon, it's probably even more obvious. Because they actually do have points where he has sensory overload. Yeah. And they show sensory overload from his point of view, which I thought was actually a really good representation of sensory overload. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of... A bit like I was talking about... I can't remember which episode it was, where I was talking about the idea that um, gifted kids have trouble with scratchy clothes might be that autistic people happen to be in that cohort and they have trouble with scratchy clothes. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, So it's possible that people who were very high achieving in science um, had autistic traits, which then fictional characters based on that stereotype and archetype came out as autistic coded, even if you weren't intending for that. And and look, that's that's part of cultural evolution in general. You know, you we all people who have autism know that autism can bring with it a great number of strengths. And science is classically where people with autistic gravitate towards because it's fact based. Because there's formulas and op- rules and and all these things that that provide structure and and as part of that. Um, a sense of control and a feeling of comfort for a lot of people with autism. So and so often people with autism do tend to lean towards these areas and excel in them. And so I think that's probably where the nerd stereotype has originated from and then popular culture has then appropriated that and taken that representation, um, you know, for either comic, usually comical relief, which I guess is another question to really think about is that I don't know how many 
shows necessarily mine autism for the drama. Because in at least in, say, anywhere from the 60s to, to the early 2000s, you know, a lot of people who had a lot of characters with autistic traits or who we now would identify as having autism was mostly used for the the bad dates or the awkward friend or um, the the funny encounter, you know? Yeah, like I'd say that um, parenthood, atypical and the A word, from what we... I haven't watched much of the A word, but it, it, talk, it shows the drama a lot more mm. than the... Com- like, you know, there's some comedy, but the drama is definitely in there. Yeah. I, um, I know, I, I'm pretty sure there's also a Sesame Street puppet. Yeah, I was about to say the autism. same thing. So I think maybe five to ten years ago. Like, it was actually quite a while ago. But it, not long enough ago that we would... Our kids would have been watching it. No, I don't think so. So, yeah, so I think it was after our kids were watching Sesame Street. Yeah. But, yeah, probably about five years ago. I think the character's name was Julia, from memory. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, a character who had autism. But, so Sesame Street does this thing, which... In, in one sense is good, in another sense is a little bit, you know, hidden away. Where they'll do these very special characters. Where they'll create this exclusive content that's not actually part of the main show. So they kind of have their, their usual show that kids can kind of see. But then they'll have these ones that are specifically designed for certain situations. So another example is um, children with parents who are in prison. So they created a a Sesame Street Muppet character whose dad was in prison. But the exclusive purpose of it was for educational purposes and wasn't part of the main storyline. So if we're talking about representation theoretically, is that enough? So do you know that she was not in the main thing or you suspect she wasn't in the main thing? I'm fairly sure she wasn't in the main storyline because I don't think she reappears. I think they introduce her and it doesn't come up again. Okay. Um, Whereas, and and again, any Sesame Street characters, uh, any Sesame Street fans out there who know better than me, please let us know. In the South African version of Sesame Street, or at least the African version, there is a Muppet with HIV. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly certain that character is part of the main plot. Like, it's not just a very special character. Mm-hmm. So it really does depend on how the creators choose to incorporate the character. And I guess, uh, uh, looking at it from a writer's point of view, what is the purpose of the character? What are they trying to do? And the with representation, I find that in general, I mean, irrespective of whether what you're trying to represent, whether it's race, culture, sexuality, gender, whatever, I find that a lot of it really depends on... Oh, well, so what you want from it will depend from person to person. Is it that you want to incorporate it into the main plot so that it's just part of the tapestry of community? Or is it that you're trying to make a point? And it, sometimes, I, I know it can be hard to do a little bit of both, but I often lean more towards the former. I like the idea of including it into plot lines as just part of the everyday, rather than it being the very special episode. So, uh, an example of a show back in the 80s, you said it was The Golden Girls. So, The Golden Girls was very positive in their representation of diversity, but it was never the four main characters. Mm-hmm. There'd always be a cousin or a neighbour or a friend of a friend who was different in some way uh, and they'd always be very positive and supportive and they'd sort of learn th- about the overcome their ignorances but it was never part of it so for the time it was really good but nowadays is that necessarily enough yeah but i'm trying to think about any show that kind of 
casually has an autistic person who actually says that they're an autistic person. So everything's going to be okay. Is another one I can think of. So that's the Josh Thomas sitcom on um, on the yeah. American network Freeform uh, in Australia. I have no idea where it's screening. It might be Foxtel. Um, but the of the I guess four main characters in that show, uh, the one of the one of the sisters whose name is eluding me right now, um, she from the very first episode has autism, and a lot of the issues that she experiences is about her difficulties with autism, but celebrates her successes as much as it does mine her dramas. Yes, and it also shows how the other characters interact with her mm. around her autism. And there are a few, also a few side characters who have autism. Yeah. Who are meant to be from, like, her class. Yeah. So they get brought in a bit as well. And I think the, the Josh Thomas sensibility of comedy, so the uh, his, his other uh, comedy is Please Like Me. So if you, again, another really good show to watch, um, if you like that kind of naturalistic style, but specifically with everything's going to be okay, I think when looking at um, a representation of people with autism, I think because that naturalistic style lends to this sort of, um, I guess like a blended version of autism where it's part of her life, but it's not everything, you know, it doesn't define her existence. Yeah. She's still a person who has, who's talented in playing the piano and wants to go to a music school. And she still is a teenager who wants to have a boyfriend and to have a first sexual experience. And the autism contributes into that, but isn't what it's all about necessarily. Yes. So I think again, it's like I I like her depiction, and even even the comedy because it is technically meant to be a half hour comedy. But as the nature of of his style and a lot of I guess Australian and particularly British ones, it blends the drama and the the comedy a lot within that thirty minutes. Um, but I think even when her friends are around, so she's in a um, I think she's in a class of other people who uh, have additional needs. Yes, and uh, so you're not necessarily laughing at them, you're laughing with them. At least I feel that way. Some people may think differently, but I think that it is a little bit more le- leaning towards that, which I, which is certainly a positive thing. Now, that's probably a good depiction. Do you have any um, depiction of autistic people you don't like? It's hard because I guess it depends on whether you're looking at someone being depicted as having autism. I think I... I think for me, part of the issue is that if they are given the the label of autism, I tend to just have more sympathy anyway. Like, because I've, I, you know, an inherent part of depicting people with autism in TV is that with TV, the point is the drama, right? So sometimes in, in any sort of dramatic situation, you create conflict. Now, if the conflict comes from the autism and you kind of go, well, all right, that is going to happen because it is true, you know? So if meltdowns are involved or anxiety attacks are happening or whatever... That is part of it. So it's an accurate representation. It's not a pleasant representation, but drama isn't designed to be all, you know, sunshine and rainbows either. So I can't think of any particular, but hey, something may come to me over the next, you know, 10 minutes or so. Yeah, I like, I guess I'm thinking more like, do you feel like there's any depiction where you really felt like the autistic person was being mocked in a harsh or unfair way? Because there was a bit of controversy about a sketch show doing a sketch based on The Good Doctor. And it was really tasteless sketch about, like, laughing at people. It was like, the idea was, like, it was a hospital, but everyone had autism, and it was just really crass. Oh, right. 
Um, and I think that Amaze um, got involved in basically saying that's not, you know, good. Mm. And I think the show apologised for doing it. Okay. Um, but that's the only one I can think of where the, the de- I guess, the depiction was offensive. It's kind of like, that, like, I remember, this is a slightly off topic, but I hope it makes sense. I remember when I was doing a play um, at university and I had a director and the director talked about rich people who have made their career mocking poor people. And I think the marvellous Mrs. Maisel is probably a good example of they have a character in that whose entire career is basically... The idea is the character is super rich, but she makes her money by making fun of poor people. Mm. And my director had the opinion that that's not how you should go about your career. Like, you should... If you're lucky enough to, you know, be a rich person, you probably shouldn't spend your entire career making fun of poor people for profit. So, I wonder if with autistic people making fun of autistic people as a way to make money when it's not something that's actually part of your life, whether that's an acceptable thing to do. Because I know there was a mother of an autistic child who was a stand-up comic, and she got a lot of um, negative feedback for basically doing stand-up comedy about her child. Mm. And I wasn't really offended by it, um, but some people were, uh, which is fair enough. So I don't like. I personally can't think of any re- representation that I found really, you know, harsh or offensive. But then you're you're more likely to watch older shows, which has more questionable stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just wondering if, like, you know, you said something about like the bad date or the awkward person. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that comes to mind having rewatched like ninety sitcoms? Not specifically, no. But then again, like I said, firstly. If it's not specifically labelled autism in the episode, is it autism, mm. right? So we were watching the uh, the episode of You Can't Ask That uh, about autism recently, even though the episode's been out for a number of months now. We just finally got around to it. And one, the very first question was something along the lines of, are you sure you have autism? Couldn't you just be socially awkward? Yeah. Uh, the responses from the participants was interesting because they obviously said, well, no, this is very clearly autism. And from a technical definition, they are correct in that, yes, autism is a collection of symptoms uh, that when or when they all present in a singular person it is by definition autism. But it doesn't necessarily mean that other people can't have autistic traits because social awkwardness is not an exclusive um, feature uh, is, is not exclusive to people with autism. Lots of people can be socially awkward for a number of reasons, whether it be personal experiences, family trauma, uh, pre-existing anxiety. Like, there's all kinds of different things that can contribute into it. So, by that token, it's really hard because when you, when I rewatch things like Friends or The Nanny, which I've been getting into again recently, it's it, you kind of see these people and you're like, okay. I think you're meant to be autistic, but there's not enough there. Like, it's not like they're doing all the really stereotypical stuff. Uh, the again, that Rain Man kind of representation. Not like doing enough of that for you to really say, "Oh, that person clearly has autism," and it's just coded that way. It's just they're often described as nerds, right? It is the nerd stereotype. So it's hard. It, it, it's, it's really hard to t- to determine whether or not these are bad representations or whether they've just simply picked a feature 
uh, a, a personality feature which is commonly attributed to autism without necessarily being autistic. Yeah, like I guess um, The Big Bang Theory is probably a good example of a show where no one's labelled as autistic, but if they had been labelled as autistic, some of the stuff could be offensive. Like, for instance, Howard, his social awkwardness, at least originally, basically crossed the line to sexual harassment. Mm, okay. Like, his, his behaviour towards women was atrocious. Mm. And if they labelled him, he's this autistic person, and that's why he's sexually harassing people... That could have been offensive. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of things about Sheldon that I think you personally would be offended. <laughs> Such as? Oh, you just... His entire personality. Don't yeah. really like him. Yeah. So the, the demandingness and the arrogance, like, you know, there can be elements of that in autism. But if, if they basically said, oh, here's a show about this autistic person. Isn't it hilarious how arrogant he is? Isn't it hilarious how, you know, socially inappropriate he is? then that could have been offensive. The fact that he was autistic coded rather than labelled as autistic. And I guess most people would say he probably is a well-rounded character. He does, you know, show softer sides. Mm. Um, but I could see why someone could be offended if he was actually labelled that way. I think it often depends on the context. I think that's the point I, w- I want to mm. make here. So if you brought up The Good Doctor, which I hadn't thought about because I, I don't watch the show. But... The Good Doctor, from what few episodes I've seen, the idea, once again, it mines the drama, and it, it takes, it looks at other people's prejudices and challenges them, without necessarily, and it, it uses his, he, the difficulty he has as part of his autism, but it doesn't necessarily do it in a mocking or derogatory kind of way. Yes. So, but, so that's okay, except, except, if someone with autism watches and go, well, I don't have meltdowns like he does, this is a bad depiction of me, does that necessarily make it a bad depiction or is it just something that someone doesn't like, right? So another way to think about it is depictions of Asians in media. There are two sitcoms I can think of, Fresh Off the Boat Mm -hmm. uh, with Constance Wu and The Family Law, which is an Australian sitcom. Both of them depict Asians... It's some pretty classic Asian stereotypes. Especially about Asian mothers. Especially about Asian mothers, right? But the thing is, is that... Certainly in my experience, they're true. Like, I've I've seen yeah. it in other friends and I've experienced them myself. But other Asian people might look at that and go, well, no, that's I, I don't like the way that it depicts Asians. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, okay, it's fine if you don't like it, but doesn't make it untrue, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what, with the autism, representation of autism, that's where I, I can't quite judge whether or not representation of people with autism has been appropriate. I can't think of one that's been bad because not many of them have been given the label. It hasn't yeah. been said to be autism. They just steal the tropes. They mind the tropes that they like for the comedy, typically. And then that's it. And they leave it. And then, you know, if you ask the creators, well, was that meant to be a person with autism? They'd be like, no, it's just a nerd or just a socially awkward person. So you can kind of get around it because it is a, you know, having autism. Again, there are a lot of the features of having autism that on their own, are common amongst a lot of people. Yeah. So I think I think that's that's a really really roundabout way of answering your question. You know. <laughs> that's fair enough. Hmm. Um, and just to mention Shira, because why not? Yeah. So Shira has a character who is coded autistic. Mm. Uh, and I think one of the biggest problems with that you had with that character was that she was coded autistic and appeared to have no moral compass. Yeah. So that was that's Entrapta. Um, and Traptor, he's, he's a, is a hilarious character 
and um, actually the voice of one of my favorite, one of my favorite like guest actresses. You know, there are those people who just appear in all these shows but doesn't necessarily have a starring role. Her name's Christine Wood, and she's great. Like her her comedic timing is is genius. But Entrapta's journey through the series is that she is uh, focused on robotics and science, and that is her only dedication. But to the point where she ends up siding with the enemy, and and the problem is it her pursuit of science is in spite of the fact that she's siding with the enemy, but it's almost to the point where she doesn't even care. Right? She doesn't even realise, until there is a crucial moment when she realises what she's doing is wrong. Mm-hmm. And yes, she, again, is, is depicted with all the classic autistic traits, but is never specifically said to have autism. And what, what bothers me about it is that, yeah, she is, you know, is her pursuit of science is so single-minded to the point where she's actually hurting people she cares about. And part of the justification is, A, it's part of her personality, uh, but B, also that she felt abandoned by her friends, which is not the case, you know? And so it's hard because it makes it feel to me, like, if you choose to... If you choose to label her as having autism, then it does feel offensive because it feel it's like, well, no, it's not that you lack morals with autism. It's that you know, so, like you you have empathy and you understand rules. In fact, you want more rules. That, that's kind of the point. But Entrapta is her own person, and this is her own single mindedness, which is problematic. But if you take that away, then it might just be that this is a character quirk and part of a character journey. So it is. Yeah, I guess that's a really good example of how putting that label really changes the lens through which you interpret a character. Because, yeah, like, I think, like, a real-life version of her would have given, like, been an autistic person who took funding from the Nazis and gave them atomic weapons. Mm. That's what she, like, if that, if she was in the real world, that's basically who she would have been. Yeah. Which is not what we want as a depiction of autism. No. No, we do not. Anyway. So what are your final thoughts? I mean, like rainbow representation, I think it is important that everyone gets depicted in a balanced kind of way. And, we, you know, again, referencing back to the episode of You Can't Ask That, one of the other questions they asked was, why are you so rude to people? And I think... I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty classic, you know, stereotypical kind of question. And the answers were really balanced in that it's not that people, are, people with autism are rude. It's that sometimes you're, like, you're just honest and you don't necessarily understand the social nuances and the social rules because social rules can be vague and will change with different situations. And it's, it's that kind of balance that I think it's, it's important to represent because there are a lot of people with autism and it's nice to be able to see yourself uh, in the media. And, but, and there is drama in having autism. There are conflicts and there are lots of things that on an emotional level from a writer's perspective you could really explore. But it's really about uh, figuring out the intent, figuring out what you're trying to represent. So Atypicals, I think, is a, is a decent example. I don't love the show, but I like what it's trying to do, which is that it's about a young man who is trying to find his way through the world to try and, you know, get on with his family and to be in a relationship and achieve all these things and who has difficulties but ultimately is is surrounded by people who support him, have their challenges with him, of course, and struggle to handle him, but not in a way that necessarily blames the autism but mm-hmm. just recognises that, like 
like another personality trait, which is what the whole term neurotypical, neuroatypical, the, the whole bent of it is that having autism is not a disease or a diagnosis. It's it's a, just like another personality. Then I think I think that is as balanced as you're going to get. And like any sort of representation, I think it is important to have it out there. I think yeah, I think it is important to have out there. I think it can be a bit more subtle than rainbow representation. Mm. Like rainbow representation, you kind of like obviously you can project onto Elsa or Ariel, but I think with the rainbow representation, we really do need it to be a bit more explicit. Whereas I feel like with the autistic representation, there are like there's shows that are you know tackling it, but from a autistic child seeing themselves in media type of view. I think autistic coding is probably fine as long as it's not being mocked. Mm. I think that's where the line has to be. Um, I think sometimes that can be hard to properly do the line unless you know an autistic person, which might be where um, that sketch comedy show went wrong. But obviously not where the mother went wrong because she obviously knew an autistic person. Yeah. Um, So, as you said, like in parenthood, he had an autistic child. Mm. So I think maybe that's why the storylines rang true. Mm. Um, so yeah, so I think it's important for like with everything else, if you're going to have autistic characters, that you get someone who knows what it's like to check over your scripts or your, you know, your novel or whatever. We didn't really talk about any other TV or movies. <laughs> Yeah, we'll talk about, I guess, media. I don't yeah. know if I'm thinking about the books. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think it's important to get... What do they call them? Um, sensitivity readers, I think, for web books. But I guess sensitivity watchers. Though mm. if they're reading a script, I guess they can still be readers. You have, you know, consultants and stuff. I mean, I, I don't think mm. it's on the same scale, but, you know, on police procedurals, they'll often... Well, yeah, they might have a medical or a police... Um, consultant yeah. um, and I, th- I imagine the shows that are very around autism probably have an autistic consultant mm. if they don't have a showrunner who has experience with it yeah um, but I think yeah you probably shouldn't be trying to go into that area unless you have someone who knows what it is yeah um, so yeah that's my final thoughts cool so thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, please find us at The Atypical Rainbow on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, and make sure to keep an eye out for the next episode, which will be about depictions of bigotry in media. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.